On this week's episode, Hellraiser is raising some hell on Hulu. She-Hulk meets her daredevil. And should we head on over to Amsterdam? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC see multiverse this is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football and the lakers fast break we truly appreciate everyone out there this is all of our great shows and if you can please give us that five star review wherever you get your podcasts plus if you can like share subscribe follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at the pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football the Vampires of Vitae. Please go ahead and check them out today. They do a tremendous job covering the tabletop RPG realm with their fantasy game, Vampires and Vitae. Plus also as well, the amazing Wizards and Wine with the Wild Beyond the Wishlight. Check out both adventures and she'll tell you what I'm just coming up here in a bit at the Wizards and Wine on YouTube. Plus also as well, everything that we do for PopCultureCosmos.com and of course PopCultureCosmos on Facebook because we're the number one tabletop rpg streamer on facebook check out how we give roger so much grief each and every monday at the demolition force plus also as well the two great games that mitch runs on the weekend right there for you so you've got a nine hours of viewing pleasure in the tabletop rpg realm right there on facebook and pop culture cosmos plus also as well we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture like no one else right here at pop culture cosmos but it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the mastermind behind said Wild Beyond a Witchlight, Wizards of Wine, and of course, Vampires Vitae. You got to go ahead and check out what she and her husband, Robbie Ross, are doing today right there for you on YouTube. Subscribe today on YouTube, Vampires and Vitae, and of course, also as well, Wild Beyond a Witchlight, Wizards of Wine. It is the great Melinda Barkhouse Ross and Melinda, after all the technical difficulties we have had so far, including this one right now, I'm going to leave on the air. It just seems apropos, something does not want to let us finish this show. Something is fighting pretty hard against us, and it's quite frankly unfair. <laughs> it is unfair. First it was me, now it was you, then it goes mm-hmm. back to me. It's like, oh my gosh. Not having fun at all. The Gremlins, I feel like I'm William Shatner flying at 40,000 feet on another episode of The Twilight Zone with those, I see the Gremlins. They're there. Don't you see them? And everybody's thinking, that guy's loco. Yep. Uh, yep, indeed. But it's going to be a great show. We're going to be talking a lot of great things. First up, what do you want to let everybody know on the back half of the show? We're going to dedicate some time to our October TV report with Don Fobbs from the Mother Daughter Ish podcast. But we'll also be talking Amsterdam coming out this weekend what's the word on it what's the word we'll tell you about it coming up here in a bit on this all-star studded cast also as well marvel of all things the mcu delves into a little bit of horror perhaps this weekend we're going to go ahead and let you know about werewolf by night how it also ties into the mcu coming up here on the show and speaking of marvel obviously the latest episode of she hulk with only one episode left after this one We'll go ahead and let you know what happens with She-Hulk in the latest episode. Plus also as well, Star Wars Ander will mention on what's going on with that episode. But also as well, Super Mario, the animated movie, debuted their first trailer with Chris Pratt as the lead voice of Mario earlier today. We'll share our thoughts on that coming up on the show. Plus also as well, I want to ask Melinda, she is a PlayStation super fan. How big of a PlayStation super fan is she? We'll find out if that line is crossed with a Horizon Forbidden West remake. That's coming up on the show as well. But first, my friend, I think that we need to go to Michael's or some other 
craft store, buy like 10,000 pins. Okay. And then just, just like stick it in one of our faces, all 10,000 of them. Because guess what's returning to Hulu this week? None other than the horror IP masterpiece. None other than Pinhead herself. This time it's Pinhead herself this time around as Hellraiser gets rebooted on Hulu. So funny because I think one of the reviews I came across, I don't know if it was, uh, if I remember it was uh, Deadline or Variety, but they said it was one of the edgiest Disney movies ever because, <laughs> you know, Disney, right. Hulu, yes, that that was very clever of them. But it is Hellraiser. It is out as far as in the streaming world. It's not being released as far as for audiences for the box office or the theaters, which I thought was an interesting turn. Your thoughts as we go find ourselves to be a pincushion as Pinhead in Hellraiser once again. Yeah, see, Gerald, this is a case of uh, you're saying words and the words I understand, but I don't really know what you're talking about because I am just... I mean, I know, I kind of get it, but I'm also just not, I'm not a horror movie person. I know, but it's October, This is the worst month for me. And this comes from the lady who is a big star of what show? What show again? Yeah, Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I know. know. It doesn't make any sense. A werewolf movie, I got time for that for days. Uh, Give me a vampire movie or show, I got that for days. When you start talking about things like, what's what's that character? Is it called Pinhead or something? Pinhead, yes. Yeah, see? It's a lady this time around. So. Yeah, so it's um, oof, I I you, it's a horror sure. movie. Yeah, <laughs> well, the series created by Clive Barker, which appeared for many times during the '80s and '90s, mm-hmm. is back now once again. Of course, you know Hollywood just can't leave anything alone that was semi decent or semi popular as far as from the '80s or '90s. So, of course, let's go ahead and remake this IP once again. It is Hellraiser. It is out. It is on Hulu. I think a lot of interest from horror fans out there. But what are your thoughts out there on Hulu's Hellraiser? Very interesting place for Hellraiser to go ahead and end up. But what are your thoughts on this long-standing horror IP now being rebooted for Hulu? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But before we hit the break, my friend, you mentioned werewolves mm-hmm. you mentioned that you can no horror movies are no horror movies are definite no for you right but vampires yeah you said you had an issue with vampires i was gonna say okay really but yeah. uh, <laughs> right <laughs> but werewolves is something that you mentioned as well and wouldn't you know this weekend disney plus is dropping a well i don't know if they can call it their own horror movie because you know it's disney plus so right you know it's not on hulu so that tells you right there that they're not going to the same extremes on disney plus yet that they would do on on hulu but werewolf by night is actually going to be debuting this weekend on disney plus it is actually monikered for the marvel cinematic universe Actually, Kevin Feige has gone on record and saying in interviews leading up to this that it will be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in some form. Some parts of it, some characters, some form of it will continue on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A, were you surprised when you first heard about Werewolf by Night as far as being on Disney Plus? And B, were you surprised that it's a Marvel product and it ties into the overall MCU? Okay, so the I think it's it makes sense for it to be on Disney Plus simply because it's under the Marvel umbrella and everything Marvel is just going to Disney Plus, right? Were you surprised that it's actually being made by Marvel? Um, I, I was. I was surprised to hear that. And I was also surprised when I started to read uh, reviews and things like that about it. And a lot of critics, I think, who have been perhaps unfairly harsh mm-hmm. on a lot of the Marvel shows are giving this one restrained praise. That's what I'm going to yeah. call it. Uh, everybody is like, this is perhaps the Marvel series that should have been longer. The series that strikes a balance between horror fans and MCU fanatics and and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I have 
very high expectations for the show at this point, and I really hope it meets it. <laughs> well, absolutely. I'm not sure how much they'll test the limits because, again, it's Disney Plus, so that's always something that you have to take consideration with a grain of salt. It is right now a 70 on Metacritic, so that's okay. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's okay for a October-themed Halloween-type movie or experience. That's not too shabby at all. I mean, they are coming off the big success of Hocus Pocus 2, which in early metering as far as the numbers is getting some big-time numbers, and it's a big surprise as far as how well that's doing. And we talked about that on last week's show about, well, I remember because Hocus Pocus wasn't that huge, huge hit back in the day. It did okay. It did good. But there was no clamoring for a sequel until 25 years later. So I'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. I know you're still shaking your head. No, but okay. They didn't, Dizzy just did jump out and say, let's do another Hocus Pocus. Let's say, let's, let's have them age 20 to 25 yeah. years before <laughs> doing it. And now they're thinking about a Hocus Pocus 3, I'm sure, after the kind of success it's gotten on Disney Plus. But be that as it may, I mean, I want to hear your thoughts. This is an interesting turn because in this uh, upcoming phase, we hope, we hope we will be seeing a Blade movie. Yes. Still unsure because the director just bailed out on it yeah. and that might complicate things. There's a werewolf by night right now. You're going to see the Black Knight with Kit Harrington. You're going to see some darker realms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. How intriguing does that make it to you as far as this point, as far as some changing characteristics and some maybe some darker tones for the MCU. I mean, I, I know I keep saying that I'm not a horror fan, but I am here for things with a darker tone. I, I do enjoy that uh, that kind of material. Uh -huh. And uh, I really enjoy that Marvel and I guess Disney as well, I guess, are taking a gamble on some of those very dark or darker themes, I suppose. I'm, uh -huh. I'm excited by that. I, I think I, I welcome that kind of content. I think that... You know, you, you can only watch rainbows and sunshine and gumdrops for so long before you just get underwhelmed by all of it. So I think you need, we'll call it a dark palette cleanser okay. to, to give you uh, the ability to go back into that sugary coated entertainment world where so much of what's on Disney and a lot of Marvel stuff too, let's face it, um, kind of lives. So yeah, I know I'm excited for a bit of a darker tone. I'm, I'm intrigued by a darker tone and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Are you saying that you can only see The Emperor's New Groove only so many times? No, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying is Ancient Aliens and then The Emperor's New Groove and then like the unexplained show that William Shatner does. You know, that that's the sequence of, of viewership that I have. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I was I trying mean. to lead you. Down there. I was trying to. Re, re, we've got a fish. I've got a fish. Really good. Ah, she didn't take. Yeah. The, she didn't take the bait on gotcha. that. Gotcha. But I will tell you what. Oh, it's always great to go ahead and talk pop culture when you're talking about some good times and one of her favorite movies, which I know is her favorite movie, which I know she has said on the show she never gets enough of. Yeah. So I was just trying to test the limits on that. But once again, it is Werewolf by Night. A very interesting venture for the MCU. We want to hear your thoughts out there. Is, are you excited? Are you interested in this turn, this darker turn for the MCU? Tie in later on, maybe for Secret Wars, maybe for the X-Men coming down the aisle. We'll wait and see. But what are your thoughts out there on Disney and Marvel's Werewolf by Night debuting this weekend on Disney Plus? Please share us your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba check out the lakers fast break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts Coming up on the back half of the show, like I said before, the October TV report with Don Fobbs from the Mother Daughter Ish podcast. But before we get there, some more things to talk about on today's program. One of the things on Disney Plus that I wanted to talk about is the weekly update on She Hulk and Andor. 
really can't go ahead into much on Andor because Andor, you know, Andor's 12 episodes, which is a long series for Disney, which I don't know what they're going to do when they do in the Daredevil Born Again series because that's actually 18 episodes. So I don't know. That might just blow up Disney Plus as far as the execs there <laughs> on how to go ahead and, and be able to structure that out. In that, I, I will say now that when we talk about it next year, or excuse me, 2024, we might have some filler episodes like we saw this week from Andor because in Andor, they're still planning and plotting this heist from the Empire. Uh, and uh, Andor is going to, uh, Cassian Andor is part of this of individuals that are going to go ahead and steal from it. It looked like they were going to be setting up to do it and actually would take place this week. No, no, no. They actually continued the setup for it as far as that's concerned. A little bit shorter episode, more compact, but it was a filler episode. So there's really not a whole lot more to talk about except for this episode. It does show one, uh, an extended scene in regards to the Empire. And there's one individual at the Empire who is starting to piece things together that there might be something of a combined collective effort to fight off the empire aka the dawning of the rebellion which is what basically this show is all about is the how the rebellion came to be because leading into this it's a whole bunch of splintered factions doing their own thing and seemingly they're trying to all come together at this point in time due to the strength of Stellan Skarsgård's will as far as him trying to go ahead and get everything together. And there's one individual in the Empire, and that's the only intriguing thing about this episode, that is actually kind of on to what they're doing, but she's piecing it together. And you see her trying to go ahead and, and piece this together. She's convinced there's something. She can't convince her bosses. She can't convince her co most of her colleagues, but she's on to something with the Empire and the Rebellion. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the, the people who didn't like Rogue One, I think, really should be watching this series. I, I, I think really it's do. really good. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't watched all of it. So, you know, spoiler free zone, if you don't mind. Yeah. But last uh, week's episode was really good. This one, again, just a short filler episode, again, yeah. filling out trying to fill out those 12 episode lengths for for this time around for this series. Yeah. And as we know, um, in tabletop RPG land, there's always a shopping episode or a exactly. spa day or a beach day or whatever it is that you want to call it. So let's go to the marketplace. Exactly. Yeah. Would you like to buy some armor? Yes. Didn't let's we do just a shopping experience day. That in Demolition Force. We sure did. Yeah. So yeah. I think that those kinds of downbeats in a series are very important. I think it gives the characters a chance to breathe. It gives the story a chance to for you know those those dots and those connections that you were talking about kind of come to fruition and start to make sense to to viewers. Uh, so I, I do think that those downbeat episodes are very very important actually. Maybe even more so than like a high action episode. but That's true. That might be my own hot take. I don't know. <laughs> well, it, it's it, so far it's been okay for Andor. Again, this was yeah. not the greatest episode because it was short, it was filler, but it's it kind of painless as far as, you know, okay, we're good, but let's go ahead and get on what's going on for next week's episode with the actual heist, which we're hoping that that's the case. So with She-Hulk though, because it's not structured as well, it's not paced as well, when it has uh, certain episodes that are disrupting the flow, maybe it doesn't all work out for it and it takes a real while to get back its rhythm. It did have the wedding episode that was a, as she called it, as breaking a fourth wall, just a, a side episode, something that was not part of the daisy chain of events going on in her life as far as the series is concerned. Even though I thought it was an okay episode, it kind of threw everything off already as far as a already fragile series, which again, is, is trying hard and is best to keep the attention of its viewers and not always being able to do that because some of the earlier episodes were really, I don't think they were that, very, were that good at all. But it leads into the long desired episode that so many people want to see. And this latest episode did have her finally meeting up in court, first off against Charlie Cox, and then later on facing off against daredevil himself and then later on um they uh, did some uh, battling of a different kind 
<laughs> so we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> and, right. uh, and then the uh, episode ended with uh, a unique turn. Actually, she called it out as far as, you know, after her and, and Daredevil fought and then unfought, if I'll right. leave it at that. She said, this should be the end of the episode. Oh, it's actually continuing. Oh, my gosh. So it continued for another 10 minutes leading into a plot point as far as a, a cliffhanger, so to speak, as far as a, the nefarious group that has been mentioned throughout the series now coming to a head as far as, as she was getting awarded a female lawyer of the year award. Unfortunately, this group decided to go ahead and sabotage the event and really make her into a raging Hulk as the episode ends. So going into the final episode, we'll see what happens as far as her character could this lead into something larger with the Thunderbolts as far as trying to go ahead, them, the, the individuals involved, the evil organization behind, almost like a hacker organization, trying to go ahead and, and just basically undermine what she's doing and basically make her life a living hell at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. And I should have qualified my shopping episode, downbeat episodes being important, you know, with a bit of an asterisk point um it kind of threw off the momentum but now that everything's in place it's now things are a lot better yeah and and perhaps that's why those downbeats are so so good because it it does give the the writers a chance to you know take a five Mm -hmm. and then come back and obviously with this episode there was a lot of stuff that happened so without that downbeat episode it might have continued to feel like frantic and scattered Mm -hmm. so Perhaps the side quest of going to the wedding was the right move. <laughs> it, it, like I said, I thought it was a pretty good episode. It just, again, threw off the rhythm for a little yeah. while as far as the series is concerned. Maybe not in the best way. So, But it did finally regain its rhythm with the help of what we see from Daredevil. I kind of liken it to what we saw with the Book of Boba Fett, a.k.a. the Book of Sloba Fett. Fett. Yep. When guess who showed up to get everybody interested in the series once again? The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian comes in. Oh, the Mandalorian. I'm excited to watch the series now. So it seemed like that because it was not going at a pace, I think, that the producers liked it to go into. So Mandalorian comes and saves the day. And then the rest of the series goes from there. In this case, Daredevil comes in. So it looks like hopefully with him actually coming in for this episode, he actually leaves, heads back to New York by the end of the episode. It now hopefully sets up her for a big challenge ahead now that she's unleashed the beast within herself. You know, I've, I've been enjoying the series. Again, I'm, I'm not completely caught up because I do have to sleep at some point. <laughs> um, but... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, That's why I got the glasses down. on right now. Yeah. Right. That's why I always wear mine. Um, I'm excited to, you know, sit down and, and finally get the chance to really binge watch it and, and move through it at that kind of accelerated pace, uh, that you get when you get to sit down for the whole series all at once. Mm-hmm. I think that from the sounds of it, you know, it's, it's already established that she's going to be a huge part of the Marvel not huge part, but she's definitely going to be like in the movies and, and all of that kind of stuff moving forward. So uh, I, I think that it's it's great for She-Hulk. I think it, it's great for uh, the actress. Sorry, I can't remember her name. I want to say Tatiana, but I'm not sure. That Tatiana, right. It is Tatiana. Hey, I got one right. There you go. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I'm bad with names, but oh, man, what is the t- happening? <laughs> the technical gremlins strike again. I got yeah. you at Tatiana Maslani, and then I said something, and then it just broke the internet, which is terrible. Yeah. And uh, I followed up with something um, incredibly insightful and profound. And now that it's left my body, it's also left my brain. So um, I'm not entirely sure what it was that I said, but I will come up with a tribute. And I will simply say that everything that I've been hearing and reading about She-Hulk and, and all of the criticisms that people have had about the show seemed to go away with this episode. Yeah, of course, because they got what they wanted because it's been right. teased throughout the series and and they've been so excited since they saw the original trailer that Daredevil's going to be in it. When is he going to come in? Uh, they teased it a little bit for earlier in the series with the, with the, the cowl being shown as far as at the very end of one of the episodes. So... He is now part of it. He's obviously been in action. You see him in action this episode. You see him in action. It's her 
in more than one way. And I'll just leave it at that. But, Uh you know, it was an interesting episode, an interesting dynamic. They actually work very well with each other. So I give them compliments that. The only thing is Tatiana Maslany has done, done a great job. The material that she's been working with has not always been so good. But at least for this episode, I can say that they did a good job with what they did. First part, as far as when their case, the reason how they meet is not exactly the greatest case in the world. I thought that was kind of a little tacky, but they explain uh, everything that goes on. It ties into the latter part of the episode. So I guess it's it's a means to an end. So once it gets going, it finally does a great job of what it needs to do. And again, Daredevil and She-Hulk, yeah, that, that made it for me and I'm sure everybody else as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, but... What are your thoughts out there on the latest episode of She-Hulk and Andor? We're all excited about what's coming up in Andor next week. Hopefully the heist from the Empire. We'll wait and see. And for She-Hulk, the exciting conclusion to this series is also next week as well. So what are your thoughts out there on She-Hulk and Andor? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com But before we hit the half hour break, doot, doot. That's my terrible Super Mario song rendition, because in honor of that, the trailer, the first trailer for the upcoming Super Mario movie is coming out. And boy, did it get a lot of reactions on the Internet because it is an animated film. They're not going to go ahead and make the same mistake twice they did with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo earlier in the 90s. We will talk about that. Come on. Wasn't that bad? It had John Leguizamo in it. It's Love that guy. Well, you know, it's considered one of the worst <laughs> movies of all time, or at least in the 90s for a reason, but I'll <laughs> leave it at that. It is kind of a cult classic now. So yeah. it's, like a, it's like a tough watch, but people get through it. But yes, the animated movie with Nintendo's blessing, Nintendo's name is right there above the title. So they're all in on this. Is coming out next year. Its first trailer came out earlier today in a form of a Nintendo direct, which I thought was kind of funny and kind of cute, but your thoughts on this, obviously the way it's set up with King Koopa and, and the whole traditional stuff that you see from the Mario video games, that's cool and all, but the divisive reaction to it's a me, it's a Mario sounding like it's me, it's Mario from Chris Pratt, totally rechanging the voice of Mario I think that has a lot of people up in arms. Well, I mean, sure. They'll be up in arms until the movie comes out and then they'll go watch it and then they'll be fine. That's honestly. So. Yeah. I, I feel like that's how it's going to go. And I, I think that perhaps Chris Pratt not trying to do an accent might be the right call here mm-hmm. for this one. Or maybe getting um, another actor or that. Yeah. You know, like there it's, um, it's a tough world. Well, not tough world, but it's a it's a place and a time where you have to be extremely responsible with the content that you're releasing. And I think perhaps if Chris Pratt had tried to do an Italian accent, that may have been far more offensive than him not doing an accent. So they uh, it may be a safe play for them right now, but it may overall be the correct call. Okay. We'll see. Again, I, I just think that a lot of people are very uh, divisive on his performance so far from what they've seen. So, again, sure. you got to go ahead and have a bigger picture. He barely says any words in the actual trailer itself. I think they were very careful in disguising it and uh, making sure that it, he didn't go ahead and elaborate too much in the trailer so that they could go ahead and save more for it down the road. So maybe that's good. I mean... I don't know. They can't do the same thing that they did. Well, actually, they technically can because it's an animated movie. Because with Sonic the Hedgehog, remember, before that even came out, everybody had an issue with the T as far as the the T came out in that first trailer. And so what did they do? They reshaped the actual teeth and the body and everything else in regards to Sonic the Hedgehog. And you know, it's been a big hit movie and it's had a sequel since and has another one on the way. So it actually was a smart move there. This one, I think right now people are maybe just going, jumping the guns a little bit, but we need to get a bigger sample of the voice work of Chris Pratt in this movie before we go ahead and say one way or another, that's bad or that's good, or that's something that we want to see. 
Yeah. What do you think of the speculation that this may be a musical? I would say that's a bad idea. I mean, it's Nintendo. If it bombs, they're okay. So right, they can yeah. pretty much do anything. Did sell sell a million more Nintendo Switches to make up for it. So it's not that bad of a deal. So you know, right. I'm not or they'll bring out another Mario game or a Zelda game. Okay, this didn't actually this tanked, this movie tanked. We'll go ahead and bring you out another Zelda game. Just oh to my make God. up for it. How smart would that be by Nintendo? To go ahead and have a Super Mario Brothers game waiting in the wings for this movie to drop. Would that could be you, the case? Could you imagine what could that would I do have? to the... Can you imagine? I might have to buy a Nintendo. Oh, no. <gasps> I know. an Xbox, but she I might know. buy a Nintendo. I, I never oh, thought I'd hear the words. Man. I never, oh, uh, man. Yeah. Oh, um, man, indeed. But uh, what are your thoughts out there on so Chris smart. Brown? Yeah, it does. It does. They are. I still got to see it, though. I still got to see you on a show holding one of these in your hand. When you hold one of these in your hand that's yours with a receipt, then I'll believe it, Miss Sony. So I will tell you. Fair enough. Very Okay. All right. Fair enough indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on a new Super Mario Brothers movie with Chris Pratt as Super Mario? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, playsets, what-if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glass. We're going right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you so much for watching and listening. It is that time. Once again, the thing we always do each and every month, we cover the TV scene like no one else. And here today to go ahead and go over with me what's going on in the TV scene, especially what's going on right now with the early part of the 22-23 season is an outstanding and lovely individual indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today with her daughter at the Mother Daughter-ish podcast. It is the lovely Don Fobbs. Don, great to have you back here for your October TV update. Hello, hello. <laughs> it is the new season. The new season has arrived. It is now two, three weeks old, depending on which shows yeah. and which broadcast networks started to put out their stuff first. Yeah. Early leader in the clubhouse as far as the broadcast networks here in the United States is NBC. Although each of the networks seem to have shows that are thriving and some right. on. Which of the shows out there, before we cover what's going on with the streaming outlets, and I know there's one that you've been hearing nonstop about, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Broadcast shows that are out there, which are the ones that are gaining for you the most buzz? East New York, it almost reminds me of like some of the NCI, Blue Blood, those type I, of shows. That comes on after the Equalizer on CBS. I know that's yeah, something yeah. that's a Yeah, that was the next that, one I was going to say, yeah. But, that's always a tough time on Sunday nights for any show to get traction because it comes hot off the heels of watching football all day. And the NFL right now is still the leader in the clubhouse when it comes to ratings. So it does have a challenge indeed, but I've heard some decent things about it. I know mm -hmm. one of the shows that's getting a lot of pub as a new show this year is Quantum Leap on NBC. Yeah. It's actually yeah, yeah. gaining viewers week over week from its debut. Tell mm -hmm. me about your thoughts on this revamped version, this 2022 version of Quantum Leap. For me, if the actors, if I like them, then I'm okay with them. And I kind of like the ones that they have on this particular show. Now, I do think that I'm not sure if it's going to be a five season type of show, but I think that it's entertaining as far as like some of the other shows that are out. Because I know also I was looking at the rundown for ABC and they've got Alaska 
Daily and some of those shows. And to me, they almost like bite off of some of the other shows, like the one that they did about the kind of like the Matt Lauer show that they did with Jennifer Aniston that was on over on Apple TV. Some of them become cliche, but I think anything with quantum leap type of information in it is going to be interesting to us because we're entering into such an AI type of world here that all of those type of things are very, very interesting to us. I do want to go ahead and say congratulations to Hillary Swank, who is the star of Alaska Daily. Yeah, the I like Academy her. Award-winning actress just announced earlier today, or was it yesterday, that she's expecting twins. So oh, I'm yeah. happy for yeah. her. So great to hear from that. I'm hoping one day she'll make an appearance on Cobra Kai so we can still keep that continuity of all these former stars from the Karate Kid movies coming back for Cobra Kai. Obviously, she has her work cut out for her with some twins on the way. So I think we need to hold off on that speculation for now. But yeah, Alaska Daily is one of the shows that they've been promoting heavily on ABC. Yes. I know the Rookie Feds, which is a spinoff of the Rookie, that has actually not garnered enough viewing as of late. I know it's mm-hmm. declined from its over week over mm-hmm. week over the uh, debut. Unfortunately, that's not a great sign. When you lose that many viewers in your second week, but we'll see what happens there. I know that the show that everyone's talking about, and I know my daughters were talking about, is Ghosts, the revival of the hit BBC series. That is in its second season now that has done big numbers. It's now garnering over 6 million viewers. It is now one of the cornerstone comedies for CBS. Tell us your thoughts on CBS's now new reliance on Ghosts. You know what? I think it was a smart idea. A lot of people like the old ghost. So, of course, I think they're going to follow with the new one. But I saw those numbers yesterday and I was just kind of like, oh, okay, people are loving it, you know? Well, it's similar to The Office in that it is a show that appeared on BBC uh, in a form that was really popular, but has since been transferred over to America, similar to what we see in The Office and now has found hit fame. And right. all that good stuff going on with ghosts. So a lot of people are enjoying that. I know a lot of people, like I said, are talking about Quantum Leap as a show yeah. that could surprise has actually gained week over week as far as been viewers. I know a lot of people yeah. are talking about 911, the cleaning lady, both gaining in their return to television for this season. A lot of people I knew that was going to return. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Return. Yeah. But any observations so far that stand out to you with the broadcast networks before we hit the streaming outlets? Well, I will tell you that I have been a little bit impressed with uh, some of the shows that they've brought back because I wasn't I wasn't really, really sure if they were going to come back stronger, if they were just going to come back a little bit weak. But I don't think they can afford to even come back weak like that. The Chicago shows are always doing strong. That's a foundational piece for NBC and one of the reasons why they're the number one network right now out there. So, yes, absolutely. And again, like I was saying, I think that East New York is going to do well because the, the two actors that are on there, we all kind of like those Jimmy particular Smith's actors. Too, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we like them. And again, it, it's not just the shows. You have to have the actors there that we really, really love to watch because then we'll tune in to those actors. So those are the ones that I think that are going to stand out. But, you know, we know that there's more that's going to come, though, because we still have this winter season that we're going to be hitting here after the fall has now kicked in. We still got broadcast network. They still got to compete with all of the streaming networks and all of the other networks. And I don't think the streaming is going to stop. So the broadcast TV, they they really actually just have to get better and better and better. And I think where they're going to get better is by bringing in the new programming and just kind of seeing how it's going to work with the different audiences to keep us going back and forth over there. Plus, the other good thing is that since a lot of the uh, broadcast networks have bundled in as a bundle with some of the streaming networks, it's still going to keep us over there because now we feel like we're getting two first, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, there's still a lot to watch out there. CSI Vegas has returned, so I'm very happy yeah. for that. Hoping yeah. for some good things there. People need to go ahead and check that out in the second season. It was a little sad to see that Dancing with the Stars is leaving broadcast and going over to Disney. I was a little sad about actually, that. Well, I know a lot of people are sad about that. A lot of people are protesting about that. But you know what? Yeah. Unfortunately, it all comes down to ratings. You now have 150 yeah. million subscribers on Disney+. Plus. That is your larger audience. ABC, and that's something that people have to understand now, with certain parts of this new television world that we're in now, 
broadcast television may not be as important to certain studios as it was before. With Sony, for instance, they now shuttle everything over to Netflix, so that is their major priority. Right. Disney, again, Disney is trying to get over the hump as far as Netflix. So 150 million subscribers strong. And then you have ABC, which, again, could technically go to hundreds of millions of households, but they don't. They're actually still far behind in the broadcast game. So now you have a show that's been very popular over the course of years that has been declining in some ratings. Yes. You go ahead and refresh it, give it new life, repackage it, put it on a streaming program. Yes. Is it behind a paywall? Absolutely. I understand. And that's what I feel bad about because a lot of the seniors that I've talked to, 55 and older, they're like, they're not paying for any more streaming. They've got their Netflix. They've got their Hulu. They're not paying for Disney just to watch, you know. uh, Well, the thing is, though, again, Hulu is such a small part of the equation. I know. They only have one quarter of the the subscribers that Disney does. True. It's a major business decision. And so far, it's been paying off because it's done really good numbers reportedly for Disney+. Plus. So. It's something, again, that I've always talked about with Disney+. Plus. The one thing that they need is they've needed content that's not named Marvel or Star Wars to go on that platform that is for adults. That's the one section that they've missed. And with this coming over there, I think that's going to help a lot for getting into that category because people don't always want to watch a Marvel, Star Wars, or kids program on Disney+. Plus. Right. Like now me. there are some things that are going on there that are more for a general audience, which I think is going to only make things better for Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it's good a business. It's good on the business end. Just yeah, I so know many. it's disappointing. I know. Believe me, I've yeah. heard it. I've actually seen the emails. I've actually seen the social media posts. Yes, but, yes. But do we know how we are as a society? If we ultimately miss it too much we're going to go ahead and fork over the seven to $10 it takes a month to go ahead and check it out. I'm going to tell you right now, we always yeah. say that at first yeah. and then we all, you know, I don't say all of us mind. You. Yeah. All right. Not all of us, but yeah. the there's a lot of us that say, no, no, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. Then you know what the next month they end up doing. <laughs> And Disney kind of sweetened the pot because for the first 30 days, they're giving it to you for $1.99. They're like, we'll let you see three episodes of Dancing with the Stars, and then you got to pay the real price. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And there's still talk up ahead that one day that they may merge Hulu, Disney+, and ESPN+, into one combined entity that was talked about by the CEO recently during d23 so that's something that could be a future if that's the case i think it'll be really hard for everybody to to resist but it just shows me that the ideal and the future and in fact if paramount plus you know they've done a great job in the past year of creating a line of original programming that that are is really good to watch they could follow suit as far as cbs is concerned cbs could one day eventually not prioritize putting things on cbs they mm-hmm. could eventually one day prioritize putting things on Paramount Plus instead. And NBC with Peacock, although with Peacock, that's a far different story because they have done nothing or in the recent until recent times to really promote or make uh, attractive Peacock right. as a streaming entity because they're way behind as far as subscribers. So that's a well, longer process. You're absolutely right on the ESPN, Disney, and uh, Hulu, because during Christmas, I remember my daughter called me and she said, hey, uh, Hulu, Disney, and ESPN are doing a bundle where if you buy for one price, you get access to all three. And I thought that was weird because I guess when anybody throws ESPN into anything, I guess because I'm not a sports girl, I always get like, Who's watching ESPN? Because well, you know I'm not a sports. But they fan. own, D, but they uh, they own. I know uh, that's what they you had to ESPN, to. and they own sixty percent or sixty some odd percent of Hulu. Yes, yes. But the thing is, once they buy out that remaining share from Comcast, mm-hmm. then it's all theirs. And I know again, the hint is that they would eventually go to something that they have already in certain parts around the world, the Hotstar Network, which is actually already a combination of all three. So the idea is instead of you having to go from one app to another app to another app, do what HBO and Discovery are going to do next summer is that you just pop on HBO Max and Discovery is right there for you. The whole lineup of Discovery things are right there for you. So Mm -hmm. one day, I think in the not too distant future, you're going to go to Disney Plus. And if you want your live sports, it's going to be right there on the interface with ESPN. If you want your stuff from Hulu, it's going to be right there on the interface. 
You're right. trying to make it easier for the consumer, as easy as possible. The you bundle thing has been the yeah, you have to, but the bundle thing has been good. But the thing is, it's still three separate apps. When you make it one app and make it as easy as possible for the consumer to go to, it just makes it that much better. But once again, it's the mother daughter ish podcast. You got to go ahead and check out what Don Fobbs and her daughter are doing today at the mother daughter ish podcast. I'll tell you what, it's been great having you on for the month of October for your October TV update. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts as we'll see some shows by the time you and I speak next month, which shows mm-hmm. that we. <laughs> yeah. some of them are going to get the early yeah oh my gosh and some shows will be thriving by that time so we'll go ahead and talk about that plus you know as we get into the holidays we're going to start seeing more and more holiday related programming so maybe yes. we can touch on that as well but yes. don you've been incredible as always and truly appreciate the time you take out of your day to talk to us and give us those tv updates right here at the pop culture cosmos if you're in the las vegas and henderson areas and are looking to buy sell or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles there's no better place to go than retro city games from xbox to playstation nintendo to atari the great crew at retro city games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show's the PC Multiverse. Thanks so much to Don Fobbs from the Mother Daughter-ish podcast for stopping by on the program today. But it is Melinda Barkhouse-Ross and me, Gerald Glassford, to close out the show. Don't forget, Melinda has not only one, but two fantastic games on YouTube. You can go ahead and check out each and every time out. The Vampires at Vitae and Wizards and Wine, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Before we head into our last two topics of the day, maybe a little bit more beyond that, what's going on in your world on YouTube? Oh, my goodness. Well... Tomorrow, I guess today being Friday, our latest episode of the podcast has been released, which is the live stream from last Sunday. So if you missed the live stream, you should absolutely check that out. And then right now, if you're kind of on the fence about wanting to jump into it, because sometimes actual plays, uh, if you just discover it, you realize that there's 47 episodes you have to go back and watch. Hmm. Not the case right now, because one of our players, Tyler, got a new job. He's working with uh, one of the shows down on the strip. And um, he's had to take some time off because he's got to, you know, adjust to the show and, and what they're doing and, and all of that kind of stuff. So he needed to take a step away from the show for a while, uh, which means we are only on our third episode of a mini campaign, which actually ties back into season one. But if you don't have any idea about what happened in season one, you're not going to be lost if you just tune in to, uh, to check out the mini campaign. So please do. I'm playing a warrior nun who was turned on the night that uh, the Knights Templar were rounded up by the King of France and the Pope. So uh, her name is Militissa, uh, which it turns out is actually a, uh, oh gosh, a title, I guess I could call it, for this particular sect of nuns. And they, instead of the three vows uh, that nuns take, they had to take a fourth vow, which was to put themselves at great risk in order to save someone from the potential of losing their faith. And that's still something that my character uh, holds very, very closely to. And it's kind of what's kept her humanity over the centuries. So we're all very, very excited about these characters. And um, we are all, I think, going to have a bit of a hard time coming up in about, uh, what are we at? We're at three. So in about five weeks, when we say goodbye to these characters, I think it's going to be pretty emotional. So uh, we're all already kind of dreading that happening. So well, there you go. All right. Yeah. So check it out today on YouTube at Vampires of Vitae and also Wizards of Wine while beyond a wish site. While you're there, like, in fact, like us as well and also subscribe. So go ahead and show your appreciation. It is truly, truly thanked by all of us here, not only from the Pop Culture Cosmos, but Wizards of Wine while beyond a wish site and of course, Vampires of Vitae as well. 
But before we head on out, I wanted to go ahead and talk about Miss Sony. So I'm going to call you Miss Sony PlayStation. There you go. 2022. Because Only if I get a sash. If I get a sash, I'm okay with it. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. How about a PlayStation 5? Uh, you know, uh, Gerald, Christmas is coming. Okay. Fair enough. I'll make sure I note that to Robbie Ross. There you go. Yeah. But I will say that is PlayStation has been rumored doing a lot of things behind the scenes as far as what they're working on, upcoming games. Obviously, the thought of what happened with the Call of Duty stuff as far as Call of Duty eventually most likely at one point in time being taken off. It's still going to be three or four years away, but looking at new shooters, maybe bringing back some old IPs. One of the things that was discussed and it's been heavily rumored, which actually has been rumored by more than one outlet is a possible horizon forbidden West remake, which I guess would be interesting the fact that it's already received a patch for the PlayStation 5 is, you know, already there. But what are your thoughts on this game that was released in 2017, already getting a remake, and then probably asking you, just like we saw with The Last of Us, which also just got a remake of its remaster already. And don't get me started back on that one, because that was something that gave me a headache. But I want to ask you this, when it comes to a game that was recently made, like Horizon Forbidden West. Is there a need for a remake for the PlayStation 5? Well, honestly, if they are going to go through updating lighting, modernizing the texture in the animations and, and, you know, integrating some of this new uh, technology that they're able to work with with the PS5, then why not just remaster it at that point Mm. and just go ahead and uh, do a re-release on it? Honestly, I, I, I just feel like if you're going to put all of that effort into refining it specifically for the PS5, then why not just do the whole thing and then re-release it? I guess I'm just not a big fan of taking something so recent and then just trying to go ahead and re-monetize it so quickly. I'm just not a fan of it, especially the fact that it's already received a graphical upgrade patch, the original one. Because yeah. if you actually have bought, if Robbie actually for this Christmas buys you, which he should, hint, hint, a PlayStation 5 <laughs> around the tree, you go ahead and you unwrap it. It's got the bow there. You take it off. You go ahead and you plug it in, like sprinting over to the TV. You're plugging everything. Everything's groovy. Then the first game you pop into it is Horizon Forbidden West. It has a patch that's going to tell you to download, which gives it a graphical upgrade. Now, mind you, it may not be the kind of upgrade that would take it all the way to 4K, sparkling graphics that are just unreal, you know, just absolutely just fantastical because the fact it would get a full overhaul and remake. But the fact is, Horizon for Red and West on the PlayStation 4 was a beautiful game in 1080. And rising up as far as the PlayStation 4 Pro, I think that bumped it up to a 4K version of it which also made it a very beautiful game. You've already got a patch that's supposed to gra- graphically enhance it to be able to take care of the capabilities of PlayStation 5 anyways. But if this is the case and they, in this next calendar year or so, whip out a remake and ask for $70 from you, I just think that's a little bit of overkill. We're already seeing from The Last of Us. I'm not sure I like to seeing it twice with Horizon Forbidden West. I think we're still in this really bizarre overlap between the PS4 and the PS5. Mm -hmm. And I think, unfortunately, we're going to continue to see these games be released and then quickly remastered and then quickly re-released. I think this may be a little bit of this funny cycle while the two uh, platforms are still, uh, you know, kind of overlapped and people haven't switched from PS4 to PS5 because of that availability issue. I think there could be a little bit of that playing in there. But I've also read, and I I love this, and this is a great reason to spend some money on it, that there's going to be a better selection of accessibility options that will help differently abled players adjust to uh, the game, or I should say adjust the game to how they prefer to play. So if that is also an underlying advantage that they're going to give to their consumer, then I guess I'm weirdly in support of a remake happening this quickly. I'm just going to tell you right now, mark the day, but someday 
there's going to come out a, a video game release. Remember two weeks ago when we brought out this <laughs> game all the way back then? We're going to go ahead and remaster it for you. But don't worry about the remaster that you bought last week. It's going to be even better with the remake that we make now two weeks later. So, yeah, just there's going to come a time that's going to happen. Pretty sure of it. Us 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Remember the day they used to have to wait years for remaster remakes? My gosh, I'm sure glad that they do it now in an hour. So there you go. (laughs) But what are your thoughts out there on a remake? possibly of horizon forbidden west a game that came out just five years ago please let us know your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well it's been a great episode my friend but before we head on out to get everybody prepped for the weekend we already talked about werewolf by night which is now out and available on disney plus also need to talk about amsterdam which is the supposedly the big release here at the box office Looking to take over the top spot, not only here, but worldwide. It is from the acclaimed director, David O. Russell, and he's an award-winning director. He is very much appreciated and beloved by the movie industry and a lot of actors there. And then you have all the actors that wanted to go ahead and be part of this movie. This is one of the most star-studded casts we've had in quite some time that's not named Marvel. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. Why is it doing so poorly with critics at a 48 on Metacritic? Well, this could be the answer, according to uh, someone who reviewt it for IGN. Let me just see if there's a, a byline so I can let you know who Tara Bennett wrote for IGN. I'm just looking at uh, her article. She speculates that perhaps the script may have been overcomplicated. That could be where the problems start. She does talk a little bit about how It seems to not really know what genre it wants to fit in. She calls it a great period piece, dramedy, mystery, thriller, romance, satire film. (laughs) Okay. It's trying to fill in all the boxes there. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it does. It takes a lot of those squares for people. So if you do like an overcomplicated storyline, perhaps this is the movie that you need to check out ASAP. It seems to me that it might, but with so many good movies under his belt, David O. Russell Hopefully we'll find more success with another movie. But my gosh, the star-studded lineup, I think I will probably catch this movie at some point just to see this all-star cast. They always intrigue me when they just all come together for a certain project or a certain director, want to see what it's all about. But it is Amsterdam. It is hopefully going to be the number one movie at the box office. We'll see what happens. But if you have thoughts on Amsterdam, going to check it out this weekend or going to check it out at all, Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, we made it through. It's early in the morning. We've had a lot of technical gremlins coming out. We fought them off. They tried their best to go ahead and undermine us here in the PC multiverse, but we reign supreme yet again. Any last thoughts before we head on out? Um, last thoughts, let's thoughts, let's thoughts. Let me think something quickly. What have I watched lately that I was like, I got to remember to tell Gerald about that. Oh no, now it's gone. I really can't remember. Uh, but bye-bye. I will say, it was fun. It was fun, but I'm excited because this coming Monday, well, I shouldn't say I should, but this could be this coming Monday because it's Canadian Thanksgiving this coming mm-hmm. weekend. So not all of the girls from Wizards and Wine at the Halifax table are available to play. But I think I have two who are available. So this may be the episode where we have a true crossover between the Las Vegas and the Halifax table. And Amaryllis may finally get her hands on her giant snail that she's been trying to get. Oh, so watch out. Yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens on this coming Monday. Fingers crossed that I have at least two of the Halifax girls. If I do, then we're good to go, and we'll have a little bit of a a heist episode, I think. But go ahead and check it out today, wherever you get your podcasts. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise, right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.
You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.